You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? On tonight's episode of the Mitch and Rich Show, we're going to go over the Oscars. Uh, I don't know if... I didn't watch them. Did you watch them, Richard? Um, I got bits and pieces of it. I had it on, but I was, like, working. So it was, like, on in the background. So, like, I caught little fragments of it here or there. But I didn't, to like... I didn't, like, sit down and committedly watch it. You know what I mean? That's fair. Um, and then, after that, we are going to get into Mortal Kombat 2021. Seems like this one came right out of nowhere. Like I knew they were making this movie, but I didn't know they were this close to fit, like this close to putting it out, or as in putting it out. So uh, we're gonna get into that. But first, as I said, let's talk about the Oscars. Big winner of the night, the Best Picture winner, went to Nomadland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I sort of I called it, but then I backtracked out of it because uh, I think I was like, "Oh, I'm Nomadland," and then after I watched The Father, I was like, "Oh, it's got to be The Father," and then they were like, "Best Picture Nomadland." I was like, "Good, should have just like multiple choice qu- uh, quiz should have <laughs> went with my first choice." <laughs> Always go with your instinct. Always go with your instinct. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not going to say I was surprised. I, I definitely saw just about any one of these movies winning, except for Trial of the Chicago 7, even though I really enjoy that movie. I really thought just about any one of these movies could win. So uh, I am not surprised at all that Nomadland won, which also uh, went to best director, went to um, Chloe Zhao, Chloe the director of Nomadland. Yeah, uh, had a pretty good night uh, at the awards, I would say. Um, I know I would have. That, that's like you know, it's a pretty amazing honor, and uh, I'm I'm very happy for 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 her. Uh, I think that's an excellent choice. You know, my biggest thing with it is it, it was not the movie that I liked the most. I, I ended up actually liking the father most, as we talked a little bit about last uh, episode, but. I still think the one that has kind of stayed with me the most in terms of just feeling like something I'm not used to was Nomadland. And I, and I think that's kind of what helped, you know, potentially propel it to, uh, you know, the, the award, you know? Um, and I think Frances McDormand also won, uh, as well, if I'm not mistaken. Is she, that correct? She did. You're, you're correct. Frances yeah. McDormand won for best performance by a leading actress in a feature yeah, so. film. That's a really good night role. at the uh, Academy Awards. Best actress in leading. Nomadland. There we go. Um, yeah. yeah, no, she she did win, and it was a tough category. I think Viola Davis, Andre Day, uh, Vanessa Kirby, and Carrie Mulligan uh, all gave great performances. So yeah, um, it's interesting that she, or it's it's great that she took out the win. Uh, let's see, best actress in a supporting role went to. Yu Jung Yoon from Minari, uh, which was the oh. grandmother character in Minari. Uh, I didn't see this acceptance speech, but I've heard that it's probably the, it was probably the best success in, acceptance speech of the night. Uh, even with the little bit of flirting with Brad Pitt at the beginning, I guess he was the presenter. So I, I want to I, I do want to talk about this a little bit because I read something online that I thought was interesting because. Um, I guess a, a lot of American media was reporting that she was kind of like f- flirting with Brad Pitt. But what I didn't know, and I, I don't know how, how true any of this is, so take all this with a grain of salt because I kind of read it on Twitter. Um, but apparently Plan B is the production company that allowed this movie to move forward, which is oh. uh, Brad Pitt's production company. So Brad Correct. Pitt is listed as an executive producer. And I guess a lot of people were saying that there were budgetary issues with this project. And even for, I think, the Academy Awards, uh, she had to put up her own money to come here and accept the award. So it 
I no guess way. like a lot of people interpreted it as her being flirtatious, but uh, like a lot of other people that I guess follow more of like the, is it Korean media? Um, like she has a lot of other interviews where I guess she wasn't speaking as kindly about him. And so they were kind of saying that was her actually kind of lightheartedly, if you will, giving him like a bunch of shit for like not helping out the production more or something like that. But again, I don't really know how true any of that is, but I thought it was interesting because I watched the acceptance speech and it, it didn't feel like flirting to me, but it also didn't feel like somebody who was like pissed off about these things happening. So like, I don't really like, I want to look more into it because I thought it was particularly interesting from that standpoint. Um, so you haven't heard anything about this that I take. No, it. I have not. Okay. So again, I, none of that may be, that might be inaccurate. It, like I said, it's literally something I read randomly on the internet, like not more than 30 minutes ago. Uh, so I don't know the validity of it, but I thought it was interesting because I was like, oh, that's, it's kind of fascinating. And I guess someone said that the American media asked her what Brad Pitt smelled like. And her response was, how should I know? I'm not a dog. And I was like, that's a great answer. Cause that's a stupid question. That like, is why a would stupid you question. ask someone that? Like, but I, I loved her acceptance speech. I loved her character. I thought she did a great job. Very, very deserving. Uh, and again, in a year that I feel like was pretty hard fought for, you know, again, I really didn't think this this season was going to be that competitive uh, from my own interpretive standpoint, I guess. But I, I, I found that, you know, there was just a, a lot of really good well-deserving films that came out this that well last year at this point but they came out in this oscar season and so i i think anyone who did walk away with a win it was you know definitely well deserved very cool yes uh her portrayal in minari was like i said it it, it helped bring me to tears so when we watched that movie so uh i i think she Read, wholeheartedly deserved uh, this Oscar, and I'm glad for her to get it. Uh, also interesting, though, that if if the production company would not pay for her to come over for this, so that's unfortunate. Uh, best actor in a supporting role. So uh, this was when we we talked about this. Um, when we talked about uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Both Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya uh, were nominated for this particular category, as opposed to one being nominated here and the other being nominated in uh, Best Lead Actor. Uh, this uh, this went to Daniel Kaluuya, and I, I mean, it seems I, 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 like I said when we when we watched it, I think they both did a spectacular job. Uh, I just definitely think it's it's it's. I guess the Fred Hampton character is more of the supporting character, but not that that matters. He would be the better of the two, I guess. I don't, how did you feel? Do you feel like he did a better job than Lakeith Stanfield? Uh, it's really difficult because like, I, I agree with you. I feel like his character is, is certainly, uh, it, it feels like his character is in the film less. Um, I I don't I don't know I I don't necessarily feel like his performance was that much stronger, but I guess the few things that I have heard to kind of counter my viewpoint on that is that I guess his portrayal of of Fred was immaculately spot on, mm. um, which not being super familiar with uh you know Fred Hampton I I can't really speak to whether that's true or not, but that is what I've heard from a number of different sources at this point. So. I think from that standpoint, I guess it kind of would make a little bit more sense. But again, you would, I guess, have to kind of know a little bit more about that to to really speak on it. But um, yeah, I, I think they're both good performances. I again, I had issues with the the overall story or the presentation of the overall story. So you know, but I, I I'm, I'm happy for him. Because I think he's a good actor. Uh, best international feature film uh, went to another round starring Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, I have not seen this movie, but it is literally the only one I've heard of on the list. Um, I've heard it's great. And interesting enough, uh, I believe earlier this week, they announced uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's company, uh, production company announced that they had 
secured the rights to do an American remake of this film, most likely also starring Leonardo DiCaprio in the Mads Mikkelsen uh, role. Hmm. Uh, I, I take it you hadn't seen this movie. No. Yeah, I, I really don't know much about it. I, I want to watch it just because Mads is in it, and I really like him as an actor, and I like a lot of the choices that he makes for uh, projects and things like that. So uh, definitely intrigued. Do want to give it a go. It's a little strange to me that they would make an American adaptation of this movie, but um, I guess we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, it, it, stranger things have happened, right? Like, they've made American versions out of tons of other movies, so uh, why not, I guess? There you go. <clears throat> best documentary short went to Colette. Once again, I know nothing about this category and don't have much to say about Colette. Do you? Uh, nope. Yep. Yeah, again, got me on that one. Don't, uh, don't, don't really know much about it. Unfortunately. Sorry. Uh, best documentary feature went to my octopus teacher. Uh, I've heard people talk about this one. Um, it definitely sounds interesting. Uh, as I understand it, it was a marine biologist or a guy going down and just observing this octopus every day for a long period of time. So uh, be- yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's really good, though. Yeah, yeah, that's all I've heard, too. Uh, best original song went to Fight for, Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, do you, is is that a song that you remember? No, yeah. I, I, yep. I, I don't know if I should. I mean, again, I think we've stated this a number of times on here. We're like not the biggest musical people in the world. You or I, so no. Um, yeah, unless it's like some super amazing, badass thing that jumps out at me, probably not going to remember it too much. <laughs> Best animated feature film went to soul Pixar soul, which is n- not, uh, unprecedented or not a big surprise either. I, 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 I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost curious if you went back like the last 10 years, how many times it's been a Pixar movie that won best animated feature. It seems like it would be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Best adapted screenplay went to the father, which we talked about it being originally a, a stage play so production, yeah. yeah stage production so uh definitely not unheard of uh i didn't realize the borat sequel was uh in this category what would it be considered adapted from the original movie the show probably oh okay that's that, i guess that makes sense uh nomadland was a book one night in miami is a book and i don't know about the white tiger yeah, I don't either. I'm not too familiar with that one, unfortunately. Best original screenplay went to Promising Young Woman, which uh, is uh, Fennel Emerald, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I believe she just got, ca- not cast, but she just got tapped to write the Zatanna movie. That's right, uh, for DC films or DC mm. comics films. So that's, uh, I'm pretty, I mean... At this point, I feel like they'd probably give her the the opportunity to also direct it, uh, but we'll see. Did you did you have any thoughts on on that being best original screenplay? The father? No. Uh, or promising no? Sorry, woman. promising a woman. Uh, I don't know. I really. I mean, I guess I feel like I'm not the person to ask because I really didn't have. I mean, the movie was okay, and I think it made some interesting choices. But overall, I, I, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I wasn't that big of a fan of the movie. Um, that's not to say that it's a bad movie. Just wasn't for you. Yeah, I, I just think there was a lot of other films that you know, I don't know. Like to me, I, I, I don't know. I, I just wasn't blown away by it. I guess as the more and more I kind of think about it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, best production design went to Mank. Uh, I mean, it was very stylized, obviously, and made to look a lot like uh, Citizen Kane in a lot of ways. So I guess that would go towards best production design. Yeah, I mean, it's a period piece. Those are always tricky and challenging to do. And, uh, 
you know, it's it's a period piece that you have to make look good in black and white on top of that. So, and I mean, there's still a lot of different elements to the production design that are pretty, pretty awesome in that in terms of not only making it look like Citizen Kane, but just some of the overall environments are really cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, best cinematography went to Eric Messerschmidt for Mank also. Once again, going towards the whole look and, and feel of period piece and, and making it look like Citizen Kane. Uh, I'm sure we talked about uh, him, uh, the cinematographer, when we w- went over the movie. I'm pretty sure we did, yeah. Uh, best costume design went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which, once again, period piece. Uh, a lot of uh, period accurate out- clothing, so I, I definitely can see that. Uh, yeah, I still haven't seen that, but I really do want to. I want to try to give that a watch because I've heard a lot of really good feedback about the film. I went, you know what? And I probably shouldn't admit this, but I watched like the first half of it, and I just could not get into it. Like it just, hmm. it is as much as I like a movie with a lot of great dialogue. I just, I just, it just didn't catch me for whatever reason, and. Not that Viola Davis was doing a bad job acting. She was obviously doing a great job acting. I didn't care for the character that she was playing, the Ma Rainey character. And I don't know. It just I was like, ah, I'm okay. I don't I don't want to keep watching this. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I again I don't really know too much about it, unfortunately. So um yeah, maybe I'll have to watch it and then try to report back on whether or not I enjoyed it. Yeah, so is like, it just too? It's just too slow, or just the characterization, or? And no, I just I really just think that it's the character of Ma Rainey is just so off-putting to me uh, that I just didn't want to keep watching it. Like I I love Viola Davis, so I just I mean she's obviously doing a good job of making me not like the character, but I just didn't want to keep watching. If that makes sense. It, no, it totally does. Yeah, I, again, I haven't seen it, so I mean, I can't really offer any sort of counter insight to that, but I, it totally makes sense. Uh, best achievement in sound went to The Sound of Metal. which Not surprising. Not surprising at all, yeah. Uh, when you can have the sound just drop out in the middle, it definitely makes it so that you, and you still have to tell the story in, in a great way, then... That will work. Uh, best animated short film went to If Anything Happens, I Love You, uh, which I've heard a lot about, but I have not seen. Live action short film went to Two Distant Strangers. Once again, I, but this one I actually haven't heard anything about, so I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar. Uh, best original score went to Soul, which is not surprising. Uh, best visual effects went to Tenant. Once again, not surprising. Right. Um, best film editing went to Sound of Metal, which I guess is a little surprising to me. Nothing about that movie really struck me as film editing, like great stuff, which, but then again, I'm probably not the best person to talk about film editing. Uh, anything out about the movie stuck out to you, struck out to you? Well, I mean, I think, you know, the biggest thing that you can't comment on the editing is a, a win for the editing because it's supposed to be the invisible art form, right? Like, if you notice it, then it's not done very well. So, that makes uh, sense. ideally, you don't want to notice the edit. So, I think in that capacity, I think that works pretty well. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really feel like I have too much more to add to the editing. Best se. makeup and hairstyling went to Ma Rainey's back, Black Bottom. Um, and then just like at the Oscars itself, (laughs) we saved the best actor in a leading role for the end, which, uh, went to Anthony Hopkins for the father, which, you know, goes towards what you, uh, said and maybe why you changed your mind, changed your answer to, uh, the father for best picture. Yeah, he he definitely had a, a tremendous amount to do with me kind of changing my my opinion. Even though, like I said, I enjoyed it more. I, I think Nomadland did kind of uh, stay with me in a different way because it just felt like something I'd never seen before. But um, yeah, Anthony Hopkins' performance is is it's crazy. You know, he's eighty three years old. Like he's not a spring chicken anymore. And to you know 
put yourself in these again and like let's be fair it's not like he's filming taken and jumping over fences and you know doing crazy stunts but i mean like he's still emotionally taking himself to kind of like the highest of high moments and then you know the lowest of low moments within just seconds of each other and uh, I, I i don't care who you are like that's not an easy feat to accomplish as a performer um you know and then you start thinking you know that's they're working like 12 or more hours per day and you know like it it it's just a lot of uh to undertake uh for anyone you know and so to me uh, that really kind of just made it stick out that much more to me to just really be so captivated by his performance and um oh my gosh especially the last kind of like scene with him in it is just so unbelievably uh, heart-wrenching you know it is it so is. incredibly well done so that again that that makes total sense that he walked away with that um that night you know so a lot of people have speculated that the reason why uh best actor in a leading role was the last category uh which it usually isn't usually that's best picture but this time it was a, uh, actor in a lead role, leading role because the Oscars as a production or the Academy Awards as a production were banking on maybe Chadwick Boseman being the last or being winning the 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 Oscar for this category. Hmm. Uh, his family was in the audience, and there is like kind of precedence for him maybe winning because uh, they had he had won for this role in other. Uh, award shows like I believe the SAG and uh, uh, not People's Choice, but maybe Producers' Choice. I'm not sure. Um, but it didn't end up going to him. It went. It went to Anthony Hopkins. And as it's being reported, I mean, obviously Anthony Hopkins was not there. Uh, he lives in Wales, and he, as you said, he is 83 years old. So getting on an airplane. It, you know, in the middle of what is still a pandemic that is going on was probably not the best idea for him. Yeah. And, uh, they would not allow him to zoom in from his home. They, I guess if you were given permission to zoom in or teleconference in, you would have, you had to go to a theater, uh, somewhere else near you. But in Wales, it would also have been three thirty AM. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think I would just have, you know, I'd just be like, send me my gold man and we'll call it a day. Well, I also heard that uh, his people had given Olivia Coleman, who was there, uh, like his speech, his acceptance speech, if he won. But Hmm. then again, the uh, Academy Award production people said no, she wouldn't be allowed Hmm. to do that, which to me seemed unreasonable. Uh, yeah, it does seem weird. Yeah, especially since you know, usually, I mean, someone should be able to give a speech for him because in, in this case, since there is no quote unquote host, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I believe, was the one that uh, announced that he won and just, or yeah, and he said, uh, I accept this on behalf of Anthony Hopkins and good night. And like, that's it, that's just how the show ended, which. Pretty anticlimactic. Yeah, <laughs> definitely ends up being just like, oh, kind of thing. Um, how did you? So, up, did you make it that far into the show? Uh, I, I don't. I don't remember seeing any of that. So, yeah, I, I must have tuned out by that point. Uh, how did you feel about the way that the show was produced this year? Because uh, it was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the ending makes a lot more sense now if it just <laughs> randomly abruptly kind of ends that that's very Soderbergh. So, yep, that, that totally checks out. That tracks. Um, I, yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's in the middle of a pandemic, like, uh, the location and stuff looked weird. The not having a host theme, uh, seems strange. Um, don't know that I minded it, but it just definitely felt, uh, quite a bit different than some of the years past you know but uh i mean that's to be expected you know it's definitely to be expected gotta have less people there so no reason to do it in such a huge uh you know theater if there's not going to be nearly that many people there so it does make sense well they ended up doing it in uh, the train station the the famous train station the the 
I don't know, Union Station? I don't know what it's called. But hmm. the train station in, in L.A. that usually gets used for shooting any type of train station. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. What about you? I mean, did what, did you like it? You, you didn't really watch it at all, though, did you? No, I didn't watch it at all. And, I, you know, I haven't gone back and watched any of the clips yet. Uh, I did want to go and watch the In Memoriam. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because that's a thing that I used to always... When I did watch the Oscars, I, I did... I don't want to say enjoy, but uh, it was a nice segment to help remember those who had passed that year. Yeah, and I heard that they like kind of played it at like one and a half speed or something. Like it, they totally like sped it up uh, this year, mostly because like a lot of people's speeches went long and no, no one's really there to cut them off this time. Mm. And uh, um. But they, they, however, didn't really have any skits uh, or anything like this year, as like they like they have in the past, except for I guess the part where I don't, and I have no idea who it was that asked her, but someone asked Glenn Close about liking the song "Debut," and she got up and started doing a dance or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they were they were going around and seeing if people could identify whether the song was, you know, like won an Academy Award for like best original song or whatever. And yeah, she was one of the people they asked about the song and she kind of like knew the song and knew a little bit of the history and then got up and did, you know, kind of like a dance to it or whatever. Which I think has come out since then that it was completely scripted. So which it should not be shocking. No, it should all. not. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, there's def- they're definitely going to want to have really close reins over a lot of what you know what's going to happen on 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 camera. Which kind of reminds me. So this week, I have been having the opportunity to watch the morning show on Apple TV. This is kind of a tangent. I'm sorry. No, you're but, good. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but uh, the morning show on Apple TV Plus, which stars Jennifer Anderson, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell, and like uh, Reese Witherspoon being the new person to the morning show comes in and she doesn't realize that everything that they say is scripted. Like even the little parts where that seem unscripted is scripted, and it just made me think of. Oh yeah, of course. Anything said on the on this award show that's going to be seen all around the world is scripted. Like they're not going to let you go off script. Uh, as you've seen in past years, if you go off script, you say the wrong name of the movie that won. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Uh, La La Land. I mean, Moon, 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 Moon Moonlight. Uh, <laughs> Moonlight. You, you win. Uh, seriously, he's not kidding. Get up here. Um, I think yeah, that was the last was... year I watched the the Oscars, which I know was only like two years ago. But yeah, feels like a lifetime. That it does. Uh, anything else you want to say about this year's production of the of the Academy Awards, which I think was what seventy ninth. I don't even know what <laughs> I don't even know what number we're on anymore. I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe that might have been it. But either Is it way, really seventy ninth? Not more than that. Ninety third. There we go. I don't know where. Yeah, I, got I was going to say. I Sorry. Feel like that would be so much more than that. But <laughs> but did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? No, not really. I mean, it's uh, basically kind of what I expected it to be. A little bit stranger than uh, some of the past years. But again, like you said, we are still uh, in a pandemic, so not not too shocking considering but um yeah it was it was a thing that happened and uh you know maybe they'll get back to normal at some point and it'll be i don't know it just felt like it wasn't as big of a deal this year which is crazy because i feel like there was actually better films that were up for awards this year so i was like that's kind of intriguing (laughs) uh okay let's talk about mortal kombat 2021 uh were you a big fan of first the video game series franchise or and sorry and the 1995 five sorry 1995 mortal kombat film uh so 
I I wouldn't say that I'm a huge fan of the games. Like, obviously, I have played them. Um, I don't remember the last one I played was uh, probably a good while back at this point. Um, so, I mean, I haven't kept up with it too much. Um, the 1995 version, yes, obviously I watched that when I was much, much younger. So obviously there's some nostalgic connective tissue to that. So, uh, yes, I, I would say that I, I was definitely a fan of that original movie, if you will. What about, what about you? Cause you're not like a huge gamer, but, but for those that maybe don't know, you do like injustice quite a bit, which is made by the same team um that kind of created and made mortal Kombat, so right the, that's kind of interesting nether realms company yeah. right yeah um yeah injustice is probably the last game or injustice 2 i guess would be the last like fighting game i played uh i believe the probably the last mortal Kombat game i played would have been um mortal Kombat versus dc is that what it was called uh i think so yeah um I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of the the game series. I wouldn't say I am a fan of the game series. I think I think in the the big not tournament but uh feud fe- the big feud of the of the two. I was more of a Street Fighter fan than I was a Mortal hmm. Kombat fan. But I did enjoy playing Mortal Kombat. I think I think the the be me being just a terrible gamer the fact that you actually had a put had to push a button to block as opposed to just hitting back like you did on Street Fighter, that's why I wasn't good at, at uh, Street Fighter or uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. So, so uh, just being a bad gamer just made me turn turn me off to it, I guess. Uh, but yes, interesting observation. <laughs> uh, the nineteen ninety five movie was obviously pivotal in my young life. Uh, it to me it was like oh look we can, we're gonna have you know great uh video game to movies movies coming out because this one was great so obviously they're gonna be good from here on out didn't quite work out that way <laughs> i was like oh if only you could tell young mitch how wrong he was going to be uh, I did. so looking at the looking at the 1985 one versus the 19 or the 2021 one I would say like your two biggest stars in the 1985 would have been Christopher Lambert or Christopher Lambert as Lord Raiden and Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. I am so terrible as Shang Tsung. Uh, and then this time around, but I mean the rest of the people were, I would say maybe Bridget Wilson Sampras goes on to be known for more. Uh, Robin Shu, I I feel like he only goes on to make Beverly Hills Ninja and then briefly show up in uh, Death Race with um, Jason Statham. Jason Statham, yeah. But other than that, there's not really a lot of people on this that you'd recognize from anything. I wouldn't think. Uh, I think goes the same goes for the this current movie. Um, I mean, I, I would say that Bridget Wilson was probably known because she was in Last Action Hero and Billy Madison. So I feel like, and I, wasn't, I feel like she was a little bit known. Wasn't Billy Madison after this, or was that before this? It was the same year. It was '95. Was it? Okay. All yeah. Right. It was. I think it was theoretically before, but I know they did come out in the same. They were both in '95, and she had also been in. Uh, higher learning i think before that too and then last action hero would have been 90 92 hmm. 93 93 92 or 93 93 i think it's 93 so i mean like i feel like she had some notoriety but you but you're still right like for the bulk majority of people they weren't like well even her like i dare i say she's a household name i don't think she was a household name most of these people weren't at this point other than maybe christopher lambert yeah, I think he's probably the only one that comes close to being somewhat of a household name, m- mainly because of Highlander and uh, a couple other movies that he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this time around we have Louis Tan. So if you if you know him from other things, uh, that would be 
your your best bet. Um, Josh Lawson, I remember him. Either I remember him or I remember his twin brother from uh, it's uh, House of House of Lies on Showtime with John Don Cheadle. Uh, Joe Ta- Toslim Taz Taslim, sorry, uh, as Sub Zero. I know him from Warrior, but that's about it. Um, Jessica McNee, uh, McNamee, who played Sonya Blade, I'd seen her in a show called Sirens, which was all about EMTs. Uh, and then Makad Brooks was, who plays Jax, it was in, most recently, was in, um, Supergirl as James Olsen. Uh, he's been in a lot of other things, and I, I even remember him, <laughs> when I watched the first season of Desperate Housewives, uh, he he played a character in that. And he was so much younger and so much smaller. Like he is ripped <laughs> in this. So, so you didn't recognize Hiro Yuki's uh, Sonata. So I was going to get to that. Like that's I would say he's probably the biggest star in all of this. Uh, obviously, being in in game Wolverine, uh, Last Samurai Westworld for a few episodes. On which. Uh, Westworld. He was in Westworld. Westworld yeah, that's right. He was in Westworld episodes. for a few episodes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say he was probably the the most well known person throughout this this whole whole movie. But then again, also probably not a household name. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's in Forty Seven Ronins too, which yeah. uh, I'm a sucker for. Um, as well as a couple other samurai movies. Like I, I actually like him a lot, but. Uh, but nevertheless, as a side <laughs> side note, I just wanted to throw that out there. But I agree with you again. Kind of a kind of a similar situation where you're going to have a lot of casts that most people probably are going to maybe not know by name, maybe not recognize, or kind of have that like faint itch at the back of their mind, like oh, I've seen that person in something before, right? So throughout most of this, I want to say this: I enjoyed this movie. Um, is it a great movie? No. Is it something that I'm probably I'm gonna go back and watch again? Probably not, unless someone else is like, "Hey, you want to give the, you want to watch this again?" I'm like, eh, "Okay, maybe." Uh, or whenever the sequel comes out, which I'm sure the sequel is gonna come out, especially with the way the movie ends. But I overall enjoyed it. I, I had a good enough time. I got to see a lot of a lot of fights, and Josh Lawson brought in a lot of the comedy. So that's I, that's a lot of what I needed. What did what was your overall for this? Ooh, uh, that bad, huh? Yeah, I want to do like a brutality on this movie. Um, <laughs> it, it's I, I don't know. I I wanted it to be good, but I think it's just atrocious. Atrocious, like, honestly. Yeah, maybe that's too harsh of a word, but it's it's just it's not good. And I. <laughs> Okay, I guess let me digress for a second and let me be fair to the film here. Uh, Chocolate, Angbak, The Raid, The Protector, all those movies have basically destroyed martial arts films for me. Um, <laughs> and rightfully so. Rightfully You're right. so. You're because absolutely they're right. flipping insane, uh, which I get. Not every film can, can be that. But... Man, the story in this is hot garbage, um, yeah, and it and is- it has no reason to be. It honestly has no reason to be. Like, which which let me let me get into that for just a second because a lot of people are probably hearing me say that and be like, but it's Mortal Kombat. I'm like, yes, it is it is Mortal Kombat, but that doesn't give it a pass for having complete trash storage, and there's no reason for it to. Like, you have enough to go off of that. I feel like you should be able to tell a compelling story right you have a lot at stake the entire survival of all humanity on earth and earth being its own thing and not being imprisoned and enslaved that's a big deal um and yet it's talked about so nonchalantly and no one's the least bit upset or concerned that that's even a possibility (laughs) no one bats an eye at it everybody's like every other tuesday's like that it's like no that's a big big deal right and even the moment in the beginning where it it started off and i was like oh okay like maybe we are gonna get something different with this because um 
there's the whole exchange with like Sub-Zero and, and Scorpion's family. And again, there is some moments there that should be very powerful moments. And they're just not. They're just, they're absolutely not. And so I'm like, okay, I can excuse all of that. Because again, right, it's Mortal Kombat. We are here to see the fighting. But even the fighting's not good. Like, it's it's like a step or two above uh, Iron Fist. Um, maybe a step or two is a little too harsh. But it's just, it's not good. It just feels, it feels more dated than the 1995 movie does when it comes to the combat. It feels more dated than the original video game. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? Like, there is no, like, obviously they had a pretty good budget because, I mean, it's filmed very well. I mean, it's captured very well. The production design looks really awesome. Like, they found a lot of really cool set pieces and environments and things like that. So it's like, there really isn't any excuse for this to, like, also just have bad combat because that's if if you're gonna blow your budget on something in a mortal combat movie it sure as hell better be the fighting and it just doesn't feel like it is to me <laughs> i i i mean i am not gonna disagree with you but i am going to push back on you a little um, you're like i don't I'm not gonna disagree with you but I'm gonna disagree. That's okay. <laughs> I'm totally fine. I, I don't. I mean, it, does this movie suffer from the terrible editing and filming that you would you you shouldn't be getting in any an action film, especially in an action film which is mostly people that are fighters, like start uh, stunt stunt fighters or or fighters in general, like we should have more long shots of people fighting like uh, wide shots, no cuts, stuff like that. But we get a lot of fast cuts and fake uh, uh, um, special effects in the way of making it seem like it's a more brutal fight. You know what I mean? Uh, but I would still say that the fighting in this is actually really good. Like, have you, have you recently watched the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie? to be fair no i have not okay but um so you know i might be exaggerating that but it was also 1995 like <laughs> you do have to take that into some consideration because filmmaking and and fight choreography has or should have well no i can't even say should have because it did because again the raid and all those movies they just named like they certainly are capable of capturing incredibly insane martial arts on film. So in 1995, yeah, okay. And again, somebody didn't really want to take a risk on that movie back then. Like, you also have to take the time that that movie was made into consideration. But in 2021, after we had Mortal Kombat Legacy, Mortal Kombat Rebirth, which were both better than this <laughs> and have no right to be. They literally should, don't have a right to be better than this with the amount of, of budget and time and everything else that clearly had to have gone into this movie. Um, it is bad from that standpoint. Like, okay, I would say if you took this movie and released this movie in 1995, I might have been like, okay, yeah, the fighting was pretty good. But in 2021, it's bland. It's just outdated. And it's it's very, it's so weak. Like, oh, people are getting kicked. And it's like, oh, nothing's happened. And then from a story standpoint, even again, going back to this, I don't, if there's no one to care for or root for, like Luke Kang shows up and he's a whiny bitch and basically gets his ass beat by Cabal, which makes no sense. Like this guy's been here training essentially his whole life and him and Kung Lao go out like bitches, basically like <laughs> what? It doesn't No, It doesn't make any sense. They're like touting them to be these huge, powerful people. And then they basically both get their ass kicked. And then it's the same thing. Like the story. Okay. Obviously they were like, we're going to do more of these than just one. Okay. Well then take your time and tell a good goddamn story. Like, this movie is so rushed, and there's no reason for it to be. Like, it's almost too fast in the pacing. Like, Goro shows up, and then Goro's dead. 
And it's like, Goro's <laughs> supposed to be this huge badass. Like, what? And just completely dead. In like two, and that's the other thing. I'm like, okay, like, I get it. We have a ton of characters to kill off in, in movies. But, like, you also, if you're going to continue with these and make more of them, like, just set the ground rules first like build a good foundation because i don't even want to watch more of these i'm like eh let's just wait another five years and reboot it again because this is hot trash like i don't (laughs) sorry again again i'm probably being a little harsh on it but i just i really think there is a, a a solid opportunity for this movie to have been really good uh and it it just it just isn't like the dialogue is atrocious the like you know the whole thing with kano like it's just all like i don't know and then even cole young like there's just nothing to like about that character he's just like he's again he's just a very whiny person like he you know and like at the beginning is like oh you have to do more than just block and they're like well this dude's you know arcana is gonna be that he just you know takes a beating and then pushes it back out and that's what it is I'm like that's such a horrible power. <laughs> like, uh, it's, I don't know. I I, did, I was not impressed with this. Clearly, I did want to get to that. Like, this movie introduces the idea of this quote unquote arc- arcana. So, uh, the everybody has an ability that comes from their inner self for whatever reason. And then we get to the part where Cole uh, finally unlocks his arcana. And it, it just happens to be like, like, like <laughs> this is what I said. I said to someone, I said, uh, whatever it is that gives you your arcana or helps you unlock your arcana, uh, be it, you know, fate or destiny or, you know, your, your chi. They finally was just like, man, I'm tired of watching this guy get his butt beat. Let's just make it so that he gets his butt beat as his arcana. Like he just, the more he gets beat up, the more like, outward power he gets and i was like that's literally just being like we give up here here yeah this is your special power to get to get smashed in the face like mr dumpling from sidekicks i i i'm not even kidding to you i said the exact same thing (laughs) as i was watching this movie i was like you are mr I'm like, you block punches with your face. It's literally the laziest power they could have get. And then all of a sudden, towards the end, his suit that absorbs power, like, manifests these tonfas out of his hands. And I was like, wait a fucking minute. Like, he's never trained with those anywhere in here. Like, whether that's your ability or not, like, does, I mean, I, I okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe just magically you're great with them. Cause that's your power. But I'm like, really? That's, ah, it's just so lazy, dude. It just, it's such lazy writing in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that this, this movie suffers from a lack of story or maybe most of the storyline actually got, thrown onto the cutting room floor in in uh you know lieu of of getting more fight scenes because there were a lot of fight scenes whether or not you agree that they were good or not there were just a lot of them there uh, there is a, a, a very large or, or decent amount of fighting but again i feel like it's it's too much especially if which is something i never thought i would ever say in my life um about violence or action in films uh never thought i'd say that but it just it, there's all these moments that just never get a chance to get set up there's all these moments that never get a chance to breathe there's just so many moments that just felt like contrivance after contrivance and like i'm not even talking like from a standpoint of like oh well the batmobile couldn't do that because it doesn't have z-rated tires to get to that speed you know like that's obviously trivial bullshit that you're diving into but which I guess to an extent, some of what I'm saying is too, but there's just so many moments in this where it's like, again, if you're going to set this up for a connected, maybe not connected universe, but an extended universe or a continuing universe, take your time, which wait a second, it's all making sense because this is Warner brothers. Uh, (laughs) So shocker, shocker that they would not take the time to set up some sort of extended universe properly. Right. But 
I'm just saying, like, again, there's so many, I don't know, I'm just so frustrated because there's so much opportunity here to do something really cool with this story, and they just, they just didn't. They didn't do it, and it sucks because it's like, why make more of them? Like, obviously, because a lot of people watching it, it's, I guess it's doing well, so what do I know? But it just... I don't know. I just so frustrated. I'm like, you had a, a total opportunity here, and I feel like they just completely piss it away with horrible events. And you're killing all these people. I get it. It's Mortal Kombat, but my God, like, just set up a fucking story, you know? <laughs> and then the same thing. They go to the outworld, and it's like, oh, we gotta talk all weird now because we're in a different outworld. I'm like, no, just talk normal. That's so <laughs> stupid. It's so bad. There's no, and, and they only did it for like, like, the first time we went there, they were talking normal. And then it was like, the second time we went, they all of a sudden were talking weird. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh God. Why? And then the Reptile. Reptile shows up. Boom. Harbor down. Dead. I'm like, all right. Well, guess we're never seeing him again. Like, <laughs> who cares? It's so bad. I'm like, just set it up. Yeah. Set for, it up. For a movie you know? that is, uh, you know, setting up for sequels, they definitely did kill off a lot of their characters in this first movie. However... In the Mortal Kombat franchise, there are plenty of characters for them to keep going forward with. Like, there are oh. certain characters we didn't even see in this movie, like uh, Melina, which, or no, I'm sorry, uh, Katana, Katana, who played a huge part of the uh, 1995 movie. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There, Yes, there are tons and tons of characters to kill, but... It, there still needs to be something attached to those deaths. There needs to be something at stake to make it meaningful for the story, which, okay, you're like, wow, it's a Mortal Kombat. Sure. But that's not an excuse. Like, you can still tell a good story, and arguably I would say that would be better, because then you would buy into it. It would make the fighting less bland, because even then you're going to have something at stake. You're going to have some tension. And I never cared about any of these characters. <laughs> like, even Liu Kang and Kung Lao. They, I was like, oh, both of these people suck. G cool. Like, suck his soul out. Who cares? He wasn't doing anything other than talking shit to Kano like he was a 10-year-old. So, <laughs> like... Who get, I mean, that's their advice to Cole. Oh, just keep taking the pain. Just keep get beating up. I'm like, wait, are we preparing to fight to save our world? Or am I just preparing to get the crap beat out of me for eternity? Because <laughs> that's not good advice. That's not good advice. Um. So one thing. So let's talk about Cole. Cole Young is our main protagonist, uh, so to speak. It's definitely True. our audience uh, character for us to get introduced to the rest of this world. He is not a character that has ever been in the comic or the comics, the, the video games to my understanding. Correct. And then I thought it was interesting because he is a MMF, MMA fighter. And uh, it when the game first came out and the, like the first three of them, like obviously they didn't do ha or they didn't have any practitioners of mma in the video game be portrayed one it just hadn't hit its popularity yet uh at least not the way that it is now and two i would assume that'd be a lot more difficult to do in the video games back then being the like 2d side scrolling versions of the game mm -hmm. uh but this this particular character that is his fighting style so we're introducing not just a new character but a new style of fight into this mm. franchise uh which then comes into play later when he goes up against goro uh you know he uses his form of fighting to help break the many limbs that goro has uh i honestly think that if you were going to make this movie now the character you would have wanted to to make your main protagonist is sonya blade like, I kind of actually enjoyed her character in this movie. Uh, the unfortunate part is we just don't get enough story about her. We'd have no idea what's going on with her. She just wants to be a part of this contest. She She's followed some breadcrumbs, but, like, she she's the one that doesn't have a dragon mark. You know, she's the one that's probably the most worthy of being in the uh, tournament. And 
spoiler, she eventually gets it by killing Kano. Like in the first movie or the 1995 movie, we know that there's a big uh, rivalry between the two of them because Kano killed her partner. Uh, but that's not something that's in this one. She just ends up not liking the guy because he's a criminal and she ends up killing him, get, which then transfers over the dragon tattoo or a dragon mark so that she is a uh, earth realm champion. Uh, I just think that introducing the new character of Cole doesn't make any sense to me. Like you with a franchise, as we just said, that is so uh Yeah. You know, just so filled with, with characters that introducing a new one for whatever reason just did not seem like a good idea to me. Sonya Blade would have been the the best character to, to to follow through as as she's putting together all these clues to what is Mortal Kombat, what is this tournament, what is Outworld, all that stuff. I I, I don't know. Do you agree? Or do you well, disagree? No, I one thousand percent agree with you. Like, if this movie had been about her kind of discovering about this, her investigating this, and this is this is to drive home my point. You just hit the nail on the head, right? Like. They don't talk at all about how Kano killed her partner. He's just some scumbag that she happened to arrest because she was investigating him for having a dragon tattoo, basically. So when she kills him, it's 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 stupid. It means nothing. But like when you take that into consideration in the reverse of that, if you saw him kill her partner, you saw that at stake, that would be so much more powerful. So again, it, it's you can't excuse the lack of story and say, well, it's Mortal Kombat. Sure it is, but there are still moments in there that you could tell a truly compelling story. And there's no reason that you shouldn't be doing that, especially if you're going to, if you're saying, Hey, we want to set this up as an ongoing franchise thing. The other thing that I was going to comment, and this is nothing against the actor who, who played Cole, because I'm sure, you know, he would whoop my ass, but he doesn't really have a fighting style. That's the whole thing. They talk about him just getting the crap beat out of him. (laughs) And even when he fights Goro, like, he breaks one of his arms, but doesn't really even break it. Goro just grabs it and bends it back into shape. And like, I arguably his was... wife did more damage when she <laughs> stabbed him in the ribs with an, uh, an axe and then hits him with the truck. And then he cuts his arms and legs off when his body manifests the tone fuzz. Like, right. he doesn't really do... I, I mean, there's literally... He doesn't do very much fighting in this at all. And it doesn't even really showcase MMA at all. Like, <laughs> there's hardly any of it. And at the very end, the very end, it, it, his wife and his daughter have somehow... Uh, not somehow, but by Sub-Zero have been frozen to the octagon. And... Instead of fighting Sub-Zero, he's just hitting the ice, trying to get his wife in the mouth. I'm like, why wouldn't you go kill this dude? <laughs> They're not going anywhere. Because they like, needed to set it up so that his ancient ancestor, which is Scorpion, to come back uh, and and then defeat But But Scorpion Sub-Zero. is back. Scorpion's fighting Sub-Zero, and he's just over there. I'm like, dude, there's the two of you. You were talking about having to team up, and then you're just like, oh, great-grandpappy Scorpion's got this. I'm going to go <laughs> bust my wife out of the ice instead of killing this guy and then setting them free and saving the entire fucking planet. <laughs> like, it, that's what I mean. Like, the writing is just so bad, and there's no reason for it to be. So frustrated, obviously. <laughs> obviously. I'm obviously. Sorry. But no, to, to go back, I 1,000% agree with you. I think it would have been so much, it would have been so much more in, engaging to see this maybe through Sonya Blade's eyes. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it starts with her just getting assigned to some sort of investigation and then it kind of end up stumbling into this thing or whatever. Like, that would have been so much better than, than, what we got like i couldn't agree with you more okay uh so there you go the two of us kind of fall on two different ends Uh, i'm gonna say i'm a little bit more center you're (laughs) definitely on the did not like it side uh i I don't know i i what i'm saying is harsh but it's it's genuinely because i i liked the 95 movie mm-hmm. i liked rebirth and legacy i genuinely like most of the games like i just i really don't understand what happened here 
honestly, I think that because so the, the, this this movie was being touted as, oh, look, we're making an R-rated uh, Mortal Kombat movie. So you're going to get to see the gore that, that comes with the video games, whereas the 1995 movie was PG-13 and they definitely had to hold back where they didn't fill the screen with blood and gore. They had to definitely give us characters that had charisma and 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 purpose so this time they were like ah we don't need to work on that we just want to show the people the gore just give it to them and you get a fatality scene where you know kung lao throws his hat onto the ground and turns it into a saw blade and the flying around lady who did that i don't think she even had a line so i don't even know if you had an actress player like it could have just been a computer generated character comes flying in at screech (laughs) she comes flying in at him and he he dodges it and she goes flying into the to the saw blade and gets killed like it's it's exactly what they i think it's exactly what they were setting out for because they weren't trying to make anything other than a super gore action film and I think for some people that's good. That's exactly what they want. It's it's like it's like Godzilla versus Kong. Like some people were just like, don't even give me any of the human characters. Just give me the two giant creatures fighting. And you got three to four fight scenes of that in that movie. Like the I think a lot of people were so a lot of people were like, good. Cut out the, all the the people talking and just give me that, and I would have been fine. Other people might have been more like, oh, I wish there was more story, like just more story in general with the other characters. This is the same. But way. let me ask you this. Let me ask you this though. Out of those four fight sequences in Godzilla versus King Kong, are they good though? Because most of the fighting in this is not good. <laughs> Like, even that's what I'm saying. Like, if this was the, like, if this whole movie was, okay, case and point, The Raid. The Raid is not a deep, compelling Academy Award winning story, right? No one's ever going to think that. But the the action is so good you're that right. you're like, yeah, I don't care. You're absolutely right. Yes. This does not get that passed. But you're, this does you're not win on them. either of these platforms. <laughs> that would be the like almost equivalent of you holding up uh Godzilla King of the Monsters to Citizen Kane. Like <laughs> we're talking Ooh, about the best of the best in action films up against this run of the mill like movie like i get it they're not going to be as good as chocolate or uh the sure. raid or or sure. ong bak but like and i don't even I think it has to get movie. to that level i don't think even it has to get to that level but like Man, you got to do something. Like you, you can't just be like, "Oh, well, we're gonna get lazy on the writing. We're gonna get lazy on the fighting. We're gonna get lazy on the go- like." Even the gore there is not good. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. Uh, I, I think that's. I, I don't know what else to say about this movie. I just there was. I, I think there was some good parts to it, and I definitely enjoyed it, Richard disagrees not so much yeah (laughs) wait till they do the sonya cut and it's like five and a half hours of sonya blade like there you go the world honestly i'm honestly interested to see what they do with the sequel like obviously because the movie leaves it open for a sequel like it that's my biggest complaint about this movie is that there's no can like there's the movie doesn't feel like a whole story in itself it it literally is just like the prequel to the next movie because you don't even get a tournament mm-hmm. in this movie which is fine I, yeah. I that was fine with me it's all set up to you know the next movie where they probably will have the tournament and they'll win and then the third movie will be uh well outworld's gonna just invade anyways kind of thing uh you'll probably get to see a lot of the characters that died this time around in the next movie because we saw shang Tsung like suck everybody's soul into himself and that's the whole point of his character he gets to bring those characters back to uh fight other people because he sucked their souls out uh i just think that it's it hopefully they'll learn from the mistakes of this one when they make the next one because they are making the next one it, it did well enough in the year of a pandemic that would, I, mean, I mean, again, I don't know. I, I just, I, I want so much more from it. And and I agree with you. I love that there wasn't a tournament. I, I did like the idea of, of the approach of being like, oh, 
this has been going on in the background, but we're kind of discovering that. I just, I don't know. I just feel like they went about it so sloppily, which isn't probably even a real word. So that tells you how. I think it is. I think it well, is. Either way. But yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm an idiot. So if they make a sequel, I'm going to watch it. Like for sure. Like <laughs> well, it's obviously going to happen. But Especially if it's available on your streaming service that you're already paying for, right? That's very true. And it's crazy <laughs> too because I was the one that was like, hey, we should watch this movie. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, it's pretty good. I'm like, man, I effed up. I, I made us watch a bad movie. And I was like, shoot, what have I done? Oh, that's okay. That's pretty funny though. All right. If you have an opinion on this movie or the Oscars that we talked about earlier and you want to talk to me, find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Richard, where can people find you online? Uh, the easiest way to find me is just go to rycohen.com, R-I-C-O-W-N.com, and you can check out my virtual photography as well as um, all my social media links. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekeletemedia.com. And whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.